My father was a deeply religious man. He used to believe that whenever good folks end up neck deep in trouble, God finds a way to send help to them. And it's never anything flashy either. No bright beams of light falling from the night sky. No winged angels descending from the heavens to lend a helping hand. No, it's just ordinary people living ordinary lives who go above and beyond what's expected of them to pull the desperate out of whatever hole they've ended up in. These people, he said, were the real angels. Although temporarily, they get to carry out God's will. Now, I wasn't nearly as religious as my father. In fact, he would be quite surprised and disappointed if he knew just how little I had actually kept to faith. But there have been times in my life where I've had to question my skepticism regarding religion and God, most frighteningly on that rainy September night four years ago. It was the weekend. My buddy Aaron had come down to visit me in my little backwoods town, and the two of us had gotten smashed and made the terrible decision to go driving in the hills far to the south. Thought it would be fun to race through those winding roads while drunk off our asses. We were trying to get a taste of our spent youth by indulging in supremely reckless behavior. Luckily for us, we didn't end up hurling the car off a cliff. Not so luckily, Aaron ended up doing that to himself. We had stopped on the side of the road because he wanted to piss off the side of a mountain, which he did, of course, but he slipped and ended up falling after his own urine. I remember how the sight of him disappearing into the darkness after crunching and slipping on a twig made my heart almost jump out of my throat. I think I must have lost about half of my buzz with just that. The rest was gone when I spotted his battered and bloodied body on the ground below. Aaron was fortunate that he only fell and smashed his head open on the lower half of a switchback. If the angle had been off by even a little, he would have been too far gone to be saved but he wasn't. He still had a chance to live. The second I spotted dark blood pooling near his head, I started running back down the road before remembering I had a car with me. I staggered back to it as quickly as I could, plopped myself into the driver's seat and drove all the way back down to where his body had been. He wasn't moving when I got to him. For a second, I was afraid I was too late. I checked his pulse, still alive. I yanked open the door to the back seat then pulled his limp and heavy body in. After ensuring that he was in no danger of rolling onto the floor, I jumped back into the driver's seat, turned the ignition key, and started driving back up the hill. I couldn't go back to my town. There were no medical facilities there. The nearest hospital was about an hour away in a slightly larger town further south. I bit my lip and wondered if Aaron would even survive the journey. Sweat exploded out of the pores in my forehead. The possibility of my friend dying in my car was horrifying. A couple of minutes in, the second stroke of bad luck hit us. The car's headlights died. I don't know if it was faulty wiring or whatever, but I was suddenly plunged into total darkness. It was a cloudy new moon night, and I couldn't see more than a foot or so beyond the hood of the car. Attempting to navigate those hills in such a situation was nothing short of suicidal. Yet I had to try. What other option did I have? Calling the emergency services would have taken too long. I might as well have just sat still and watched him die. That's when the third stroke of bad luck hit us like a bat to the back of the head. The skies started weeping. It didn't take more than a minute for the rain to intensify into what seemed to be a raging storm. I sat and fidgeted in my seat, 
as the rain rode gusts of wind and started lashing the windshield while Aaron continued to bleed out in the back seat. I had no idea what I was supposed to do next. I was about to call 911, knowing how pointless it would be when salvation came in the form of a single headlight shimmering behind the walls of water crashing down on the road. Could it be one of my dad's guardian angels? Feeling my heartbeat quicken, I began pressing down on the horn. The motorbike slowed down as it approached my car, came to a halt right next to my window. A middle-aged male voice issued from beneath the helmet. Why have you switched your headlights off? Almost didn't see you. There's something wrong with them, I answered quickly. Listen, man, I need your help. My friend is hurt, and I need to get him to the hospital. The problem is I can't fucking see anything. Could you please help me out? The helmet bobbed readily. Sure thing. Stick to my ass. I'll be your flashlight. I'll lead you past these hills, onto the highway, into the town down south. Think you can do that? I nodded before he had even finished speaking, silently thanking God for sending him to me in my hour of need. And that's what the rest of that night's journey was like. The man slowly and cautiously led us out of the corkscrew-like roads that webbed those hills. For almost an hour and a half, I stuck to that bike, paying no attention to anything other than its taillight. Finally, the stormy journey was brought to an end as the man brought us close to the twinkling lights of a town bade a grinning goodbye and drove off. I thanked him profusely before I resumed the last stretch of the journey under the glare of wet streetlights. My heart sank as I recognized the streets I was driving through. My father's words came rushing back to me. Guardian angels. I thought that if he was right, and if that God was real, then it meant that so was the devil. The man on the bike had taken advantage of my lack of sight to bring us to another town half an hour away from the one with the hospital. Cold. One word, one thought, frozen in my brain. An ice-choked breath misted past my lips, rattling my lungs. I leaned forward and squinted to see through the foggy windshield. Was it time to clean it again already? Fuck. Stabs of pain shot through my finger bones as I tried to peel the ice off the windshield. I winced and decided that the glass didn't need to be wiped so soon. What was out there that I needed to see anyway? Nothing but impenetrable walls of snow falling on frozen asphalt. And what would be the point of cleaning the damned glass again? Nothing mattered in this place after all. Nothing at all. God, how long had it been since we'd been on this road? Hours, days, weeks? I couldn't even tell anymore. Time seemed to stretch and squeeze and wrap around back on itself in this place. Nothing seemed real, except for the cold, biting, numbing, freezing cold. I heard a hacking cough behind me. It was Adam, hunched over on his knees, his eyes glued to his phone, which was somehow still working. His ice-caked eyebrows furrowed as he muttered something incomprehensible. Huh? I croaked. What did you say? This doesn't make sense, he whispered. We're going through the same stretch of road over and over again. How? I sighed and turned back around, not bothering to give a reply. Adam wasn't the only one experiencing deja vu, for we had this same short conversation five times already. Or was it six? I'm sure it was less than seven at least. It's like we're stuck in a loop. Yes, we were. 
We'd been stuck in this goddamn loop ever since we had mindlessly driven into that rippling wall of fog resting on an empty stretch of I-75. We should have at least tried to investigate what that strange thing was before passing through it, or turned around when we started feeling chilly in Florida deep in the month of July. Now it was too late. We had tried turning around to find that fog wall again, but found ourselves right back where we had started, repeatedly. My teeth chattered, more out of anger and frustration than the cold, I think. Probably not. Nothing was stronger than the cold here. It enveloped everything, seeping into your bones, froze your blood vessels, and stabbed your heart with its icicles, killing hope or whatever other emotion was foolish enough to still nestle there. There has to be a way out of this, I mumbled, but Adam heard me. And what way is that, huh? Why don't you tell me? He asked, slightly raising his voice, immediately regretting the decision and getting caught in a coughing fit. Good God, that sounded so bad. Hoarse, breathless, deep, like he was going to cough his lungs out of his mouth. What a sight that would be. At least he'd be out of this place. Maybe he'd even get to go to hell. A tiny shiver of delight ran through me at the thought of Adam being roasted alive in hell's fires. Fuck, but the warmth. We had tried to make some warmth ourselves. I turned on the car's heater and used my lighter to set some magazines on fire, but nothing worked. The heater blasted cold air at our faces, while the flames licking the edges of those mags had a heatless quality to them. Nothing survived in this world other than the cold. Cold. One word, one thought, frozen in my brain. What? Was it happening again? No, it can't be. It was too soon. The sound of a hacking cough issued from the back seat. Fuck this. This doesn't make sense. I didn't let him finish. I slammed the brakes, threw open the car door and stumbled outside. I heard Adam screaming at me. Hey, what the fuck are you doing? His voice grew fainter with each word, sounding increasingly like it was coming from the bottom of the deepest well in the world. Snow whipped around me, sliced through my clothes and lashed my skin open. Yet I continued to walk. One way or another, I was getting out of here. Either the cold was going to kill me, or I was somehow going to smash my way out of this loop. The former possibility grew more and more likely with each second. I felt my cheeks burn with the cold, as it got hard to even blink. My toes had gone numb. I could tell that I was going to lose some of them to frostbite, but it didn't matter. I would gladly give an arm and a leg to get out of there, let alone some useless toes. I took another step. I could feel the cold sinking its teeth into my bones, trying to lock them in place. Yet I continued to walk. A strange thought had taken hold of me, that I would be fine if I could make it to the edge of the road, that this nightmare would end if I could just get off the blacktop. Just a little more to go, almost there, another step. My eyes grew heavy. My arms started to fall limply to my sides. Just another step. Just another. God, it was so cold. So cold. So cold. One word. One thought. Frozen in my brain. I felt a tear freeze down my cheek. Why? Why was I back in the car again? Why? 
When will this journey end? This road. This goddamn road. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy these stories, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out some more of my episodes here.